Hello, painters. My name is Tyler. And my name is Brooke. And this is Cosmere Conversations. Welcome back to the book club, everybody. Today, we are doing a little bit of a follow-up add-on to many of the things that we have been discussing throughout this book club, and I'm really excited about it. We're going to talk more about the Yokihijo and their nature as highly invested entities, plus this whole Yumi painter connection situation, what exactly is happening there, what might that mean for the greater Cosmere? And then we're going to throw in some theories, thoughts, queries, musings from the interwebs. Throughout this book club podcast and throughout the book Yumi, there is this idea of capital C connection that is repeatedly brought up as important. The connection between Yumi and Painter, but also the connection to Hoyd, to those characters, the connection between the cognitive shadows and the nightmares, the connection between the spirits and the Yokihisho, and of course, the connection of the father machine to all. Of course. (laughs) And as we have talked about multiple times, connection throughout the Cosmere is becoming more and more of a important power yeah, it's like it we started almost... out with the base metal powers, and <laughs> yeah. now we are advancing to the more complicated or higher level powers that are seen. Yeah, it's like if Tress, the like the purpose of the book Tress was to sort of introduce the Aethers in a canon way, mm-hmm. and it almost seems like the purpose of the book Yumi is to start to explore capital C connection, what it is in the Cosmere, how it functions, etc. So that we have this almost essay on capital C connection to take forward into our Cosmere explorations. This episode is also going to include the answer to our question, did Yumi go through the machine? So for all of you who have been screaming along at home listening to these episodes, These are a lot of times us working through things in real time. You're getting to see our process as we digest the Cosmere works. So peek behind the curtain. Here you are. (laughs) Unfortunately, it is not the purified greatness at all times, but we get around to answering these questions. So we threw out a lot of, I threw out a lot of spaghetti against the wall. And now we're going to kind of see what remains Because let's start there. We introduced this analogy of like the wood chipper. Everyone seemingly on Kamashi's spirit was not spirit. Full selves were brought into the father machine and then spat out. And there was a almost like waste byproduct of the shroud. But then there was also the question, did Yumi and the Yokihijo go through the father machine or did they resist the call, resist the pull in the first place? And I think a- we have to start with like, what are the Yokihijo? Which we know that they are of Elantrian level investiture, which we hear is even greater than return level investiture. And if we go all the way back to Rhythm of War... The hell's definition of a type two invested entity is a quote dead man walking, which definitely seems to fit Yumi if she has been killed by the father machine and is persisting. Yeah, because of course Zahel would consider himself and all returned a type two invested entity. Exactly. And so the next level up, seemingly from design's perspective or design's hierarchy is a Lantrian level. She says this to Painter, quote, because you're highly invested, like super invested. Painter blinked, then waited for more, then looked to Yumi, who shrugged. Storms. Design said, yeah, this is like returned level investiture. No, more like a Lantrian level, end quote. 
we haven't necessarily had this type of investiture hierarchy established in the Cosmere, but Brandon doubled down yeah. in one of the spoiler episodes recently that are available on his YouTube channel. He also did a long form interview with the folks over at the 17th Shard that we've been pulling from. And so Yumi as a type two invested entity, but probably the most powerful version or the most invested version of a type two. So riddle me this, Batman or Robin, if you prefer, or Nightwing. We don't care. Batgirl. Okay. Batwoman. There Is you go. Is there a Batwoman? There are so many Bat are we people. Just always infantilizing the females in this franchise. There's a, a lot of different bat versions, and in a multiverse, there are infinite number of bat women. <laughs> so many bat people. But riddle me this. Did Yumi, this highly invested, Elantrian-level invested entity, go through the machine? Yes. She did go through the machine. The machine sort of superficially killed all of the Okihijo at the same time that everyone else was killed, but... After sort of a short amount of time, those 14 Yokihijo souls were able to reform themselves, reconstitute themselves, and extricate themselves from the machine's control. Basically, they were strong enough or and or had so much investiture that their soul, question mark, could survive this experience yeah it seems two things happened one their soul was invested enough to survive like the big rock that goes through the wood chipper and it doesn't get broken down like everything else some remnant was able to just straight up resist the father machine but then there's a second part that i feel is more akin to a return which is what you talked about is like reforming mm -hmm. themselves and so they had this maybe highly invested soul that went through the machine, resisted efforts to change. But there is some level of interaction between the Yokihijo and the father machine. Yes. So the power that the machine maintains over the Yokihijo is extracting a tiny bit of investiture from the Yokihijo each day in the form of their memories. So we've talked about this before in this book club, this idea that memories and investiture are kind of tangled together. And that is why we find Yumi, you know, living the same day over and over again. That is the amount of control that the machine can still have over her. And of course, Hoyd teaches us about the dangers of tying your memories to bits of investiture, but also demonstrates the importance of it. And I feel like that's similar to what happened to Hoyd with Teravodium is the interaction between Hoyd and Teravodium like opened up enough of a wormhole, a, a spiritual realm connection between the Shard and Hoyd. And Hoyd happened to put his memories in the thing that was right on the front lines or right on like- Yeah, a, most visible. Most visible, exactly. And so then Teravodium, the new shard, is like, oh, look at these uh, beautiful flowers outside of your doorstep. You know, as I'm walking up to the palace that is Hoyd and just decides to pick some of those- flowers that Hoyt has put his memory in. I don't know that you, uh, that Yumi would have a choice considering that at this point she is only investiture. <laughs> so there's like nowhere else for her to put her memories. Yeah, she um, kind of like was, I think, dispersed a little bit into the shroud investiture puddle. And then as she reformed, she brought with her some of the connection to the father machine. Yeah, I think probably similar to the spirits that are continually sort of being cycled or enslaved to the machine. Basically, anything that goes through the machine has that type of chain attaching them to the machine in some way. It's just that for the Yokihijo, it's much narrower, lighter, not as restricting as the other entities. What is interesting about this connection is that almost like a computer game, as the Yokihijo slept, the father machine didn't necessarily continue to render out the fake world that they were living in. And some of those 
extra nightmares slash cognitive shadows, not spirits of Kamashi, released back into the shroud and conceivably could, you know, be called upon in the future if need be. Yeah. So in contrast to the Yokihijo, who are largely outside of the control of the machine, the machine is compelling other souls to appear, to populate the towns and creating, you know, all of the buildings and everything in the quote unquote town from the shroud. The people acting as guardians like Liyun have partial self-governance. So not the same as Yumi, who is completely self-governed other than that tiny little loss of memory. Liyun has a little bit of herself, but she is also partially being controlled by the machine telling her what to do, what to say, where to go, etc. So that the Yokihijo can continue living this normal day. You know, Liyun doesn't have the power to say, this is all fake. Run, Yumi. <laughs> what is of note in the Venn diagram of nightmares or Liyun-esque cognitive shadows, depending on what the father machine wants of them and the other circle being spirits is there is a little bit of a crossover section they do have some similarities but they are not the same thing we have this quote and like most unbound un investiture like the spirits themselves the souls of the dead were drawn to the imaginations of the living end quote both the spirits and the nightmares slash leons are drawn to the imaginations of the living, drawn to the creations of mm -hmm. the living. And the dreams. And the dreams, yeah. exactly. And so that's where I think it gets a little bit murky and maybe while you're first reading a little bit confusing is are the nightmares and the spirits identical but like maybe two sides of a different coin? Do the spirits become nightmares and vice versa? And that answer is no, the nightmares and the spirits are two distinct things. Spirits yes. being more the product of virtuosity and the planet Kamashi. Right. And nightmares being more the product and the catastrophic collateral damage of the father machine. Exactly. I want to talk a little bit about the Yokihijo themselves and this sort of group coven of women known as Yokihijo. Yes, because we think these Yokihijo were around before the Father Machine, and the world that is created is merely a reflection of what they would have seen in their lifetime, but also the problems that they would have faced. This issue of limited number of Yokihijo, but a growing demand on their skills seems to be a real thing that they would have likely encountered, and then the Father Machine is copying that for right. the Yokihijo, you know, for 1700 years. So tell me more about this this group of women. These Yoki Hijo are described as not only being highly invested, but also having incredible willpower. And they are connected quite literally in a way that design is able to see when she reads Yumi's spirit web. She says, quote, then there are these 13 odd lines. 13, Yumi said, standing up from her stool? Yep. Design said, connection lines are easy to see at times, but notoriously hard to read. I don't know what these are connected to. Didn't look like family, though. More a thematic connection, end quote. I think that's very interesting that they have a thematic connection, and that makes me wonder about their relationship with virtuosity and whether or not the creation of the Yokihijo was also a part of virtuosity shattering herself. Did she at that time create the spirits who are splinters of virtuosity and also use 14 larger pieces of her power to mm -hmm. create the Yokihijo, right? Because then their theme, the theme that connects them is virtuosity. I would agree. And I think that's the most likely answer to this question. I think they serve the purpose on Kamashi that the returned serve on Nalthus. Unlike that planet, though, that has a 
cyclical nature of right. the return. They are supposed to live, perform their returned function, and then that ends their returned life, allowing for more returned in their place. And so we do have the court of the gods that kind of like holds the position longer than is normal or maybe the intention. But here on Kamashi, the Yoki Hijo are seemingly supposed to maintain. They're not supposed to change generation to generation. Oh, I don't know. I think they do. I think they're you think there's are new like the Yoki Hijo born and it's not just like a yeah. Interesting. I don't think it's ever stated that the Yoki Hijo live for hundreds of years and just like stay around. Okay, maybe physical body, yes. But I think that even if there was a new quote unquote Yoki Hijo after Yumi, it would be Yumi's soul, this one chosen soul that is reincarnated into a new body. Where I think on Nalthus, every single person has the potential of being a returned based on their circumstance and like what they Mm -hmm. show off to endowment in their life. I don't think that's the case on Kamashi. I think that these souls are unique and maybe they pass from physical body to physical body, but I don't even think that that is necessarily ever stated clearly. I, I think it's the same. I think that they are both just pieces of investiture that the shard is breaking off and giving to a person endowment is doing it after a person's death virtuosity is doing it before the person is born but either way when that person then dies and like goes back to source so to speak Mm -hmm. that power returns to virtuosity and virtuosity cycles it back the same with endowment like when it comes back they're just giving it back to a person i see that as a mirrored possibility and it's definitely the yeah. case that that is possible i think the possible. difference is that virtuosity is using a bigger chunk of investiture to invest the person and that's why they are more invested more powerful than a returned my guess because they're more powerful than a return is that it's the same chunk over and over that it is not as maybe endowment is doing which is like continually slicing off a bit of themselves and like ever weakening themselves a tiny bit. I think virtuosity is kind of like cycling the same but large chunk. When you chunks. die, your innate investiture is going to go back into the spiritual realm, which is where the shard is getting their power. I think you know? that the spiritual realm is infinite, but there's also something different when it comes to a splinter of a shard. I think that entails something more physical than just purely spiritual realm investiture because that is infinite and has no limit. But I do think that there's some limit. I don't think that on Nalthus, endowment could create an infinite army of return. Just like every time someone dies, they could just keep bringing them back as a return. I think it's a very specific thing because it is wasteful in some way. And I don't necessarily see that same thing with the Yokihijo. But this is pure speculation and unanswerable in the text. Yeah, exactly. We do know that the Yokihijo have somewhat difficult lives, as we see Yumi struggling with the isolation and the constant work, the idea that they are, you know, their their sole purpose is to be a servant to everyone, which is great. But like, they're also human beings. They need breaks. And sometimes they need to go to the big city and see a festival, you know? And other Yokihijo... <laughs> seemingly again from the before times before the father machine were talking about this they had a union they were advocating for workers rights snaps for these ladies just pockets and sedition ladies get it happy labor day to you all but not to yumi she did not apparently (laughs) get that message (laughs) it is hard out here for a yoki hijo there's this quote from hoid quote i find it telling they all understood for one living the life of a lo- Yoki Hijo, breakdowns were basically inevitable. You just had to hide them as best you could, end quote. And that's in reference to a bit of Yoki Hijo wisdom that Yumi learns that basically amounts to make sure you cry in private. <laughs> they don't say like, don't cry, don't have emotions. They're just like, 
you're definitely going to break down. Just make sure you do it while no one can see you. A little bit of Yoki Hijo lessons that I take upon myself as well here in the real world. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't need anybody to see me tear up, even in a movie. Just like quick cover my eyes. I'm just uh, blowing my nose over here because I, I got a cold. Another victim of the patriarchy. <laughs> I thought it was just about riding horses. There are these lines of capital C connection between the Yoki Hijo. And there's also lines between Painter and Yumi, ones that we get hints. Those lines of connection look like the high on lines that we talked so much about last week. Yeah, which you had brought up the idea that those high on lines were sort of symbolizing spiritual connection in a way. And there are quotes to support that. Quote, if he'd looked closely, he would have seen two little lines like electric sparks connecting his skin to hers, magenta and azure, end quote. And that is in that cute moment when they are holding hands at the carnival. But I am very interested in this idea of the high on I mean, I don't think they are high on lines. I think that magenta and azure are just the colors that investiture presents as on this planet in a similar way to Bavadin's investiture presenting as the color red. That's what it seems to me. But I'm curious what you think. Does this quote change your thoughts about connection and or high on lines at all? Well, I think that you are correct in that it's not a pure one-to-one connection of the high on lines equal lines of connection. Mm -hmm. But I did bring this up as a possible parallel to the aethers, which behave much more naturalistically and mushroomy, one could say, as these stubs of high on created by the father machine had to move out on their own, seemingly, to get away from the father machine towards the humans, as if they were growing towards the humans. And over Which on, is in nowhere stated in the text. Well, it's a logical endpoint of what is in the text, which is the high on lines are created by the father machine. And people discover them. It How can they discover people them? People discover them. Because they can't go to where the father machine is. And they obviously know how to manipulate them because they've made an entire city. I guess what is not clear in the text is where specifically the high on stubs originated from. But if they started right next to the father machine, and if they only started there as like the first ever high on stubs were right next to the father machine, then they have to move away from that because the humans never go to the father machine, but they do find the high on stubs like out in the shroud. So it's also possible that the father machine's actions kind of like activated high on stubs like all over the planet and they nomads happen to find them and it's not in any way connected to a growth like situation. However, yeah, I mean, I think of it similar to how the spirits sort of bubble up from the ground. The high on stubs would sort of bubble up from the ground all over the planet because the entire planet is invested in this way with these splinters of virtuosity. And what do the spirits like and are attracted to? Imagination. And human creativity and creation. The high on line stubs seem to be attracted to that as well because by the end, we know that they like performing in TV shows and like yeah. they enjoy that aspect of creation. My theory is that these are acting kind of like mushrooms that have already existed throughout the entire planet. There is shard-esque connection, routes of travel that just like normal investiture can move around. These high-on stubs are like purified versions and they route themselves and then pop up somewhere else like mushrooms do traveling along the mycelium networks, moving towards nutrients, in this case, human beings. And then they pop up, ready to be manipulated or harvested by the human beings. One of our good friends over on Patreon, Malachi Speck, 
close personal friend of me and supporter of Mushroom, grows a bunch of mushrooms in their real life. We don't say anything about them being magic or not, no shade, no judgment, but did describe those mycelium networks moving towards nutrients in a very specific way, a way that you can like see the mycelium grow towards a dense pack of nutrients. And that's what I'm saying is that the humans represent nutrients to the high onlines, that they have to move towards them. They want to move towards them. Well, the question for this podcast would be, do you think that they are then always present where capital C connection is present? Like, are there these types of electric sparks, as they're described, uh, connecting Yumi to all of the other Yokihijo? I would think that that base level network of investiture exists on the planet. And so it's capable to kind of like create a spark, create a little magenta and azure high online instantaneously between two people or because of some great creativity. Well, yeah, because of course the spirits create the connection between Yumi and Painter. They forge it basically from nothing. Right. Which is very interesting. They have no high onlines as a bit of technology, but they do have some type of awareness of the the power or kind of like the structure of the world. And this is why I think Tress and the Aether's introduction is so important is because I do think there's some type of investiture mycelium network that's a kind of like base level across the Cosmere. I mean, I think that this is just an example of the way that investiture manifests on this planet, similar to high storms and stormlight. Like that's just the form that it takes here is my impression. Um, but the purpose of that connection that they create between Painter and Yumi is very interesting. Quote, connect one of the girls to an outsider to anchor her soul? Prevent us from altering her memories? It might have worked. End quote. That's from one of the nightmare uh, scientists who are working on the machine. And they have deduced, or at least they theorize, that this is why the spirits have connected Yumi to Painter. Somehow this connection between her as this cognitive shadow, highly invested entity to a human being more grounded in the physical world prevents the machine from erasing her memory every night. Which to me makes a lot of sense as that key thing that Yumi is lacking is connection to the physical and the real she exists very much in like a matrix s state and functionally what the spirits are doing is calling up a morpheus <laughs> from the real world to remind yumi to connect yumi back to the real world and then her position as like a superhero in kamashi's lore and the connection to the real world is what allows her to perform so much greatness. I wonder if it is also a little bit of like actual physical distance. If her cognitive self, her soul, is now inhabiting Painter's body. Although I guess their locations are said to be quite close to each other. But yeah, there seems to be like an anchoring effect of putting her soul inside of a physical body that prevents the machine from being able to tamper with her investiture as it has been. That's a good point. And I wonder again about does Yumi have any physical body at all prior to the very last moment of the story? Or is she completely like a nightmare just a, a formless thing around a very powerful cognitive shadow. I want to say the latter, that she, after going through the machine, would just be her investiture, her soul reconstituted. She's like Kelsier magnified yeah, a little bit. But before she, he becomes Thytokar. Exactly, not <laughs> Thytokar. She is not stapled into a body, I think. But then I'm not clear how that works when then Painter's soul is being quote unquote put in her body because again he sees 
himself as Yumi. And we hear from design that Yumi is able to make herself look like herself in Painter's body because she's so invested, quote, You've got a storming, strong spiritual aspect, highly invested in some strange way. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been able to rewrite his body with your soul and warp it to match your sense of self, shrinking and reshaping the bones, stretching and shifting the muscles. Fun stuff, end quote. And quite different from what we originally talked about as a light weaving over Painter's body, something akin to what Shallan can do with her illusions. This is much more like what the Returned are able to do, and we Mm. think what Vasher is able to do with a actual physical change of their body, growing limbs and muscles, and how the Returned, for example, appear gigantic. They don't have to appear that way because Vasher doesn't. And so there is a way to physically change your body when you become invested enough. Well, and it seems to have something to do with, like, perception because Yumi says that she is able to touch the water while she's like floating in the pool and she's able to you know float or touch water because she thinks that she should be able to I'm unclear if that is only a Yumi thing because as you're saying she's like so invested or if the same thing is happening with Painter as well even though he is not changing his physical body, like is because he also is able to like pick up, pick up things if he really concentrates or interact with things in that way. And he can definitely interact with the high on lines. Yeah, I think that's kind of that's like a separate thing, though, is he but he is also able to interact with things physical. Yes, when yeah. he is in the city of Kilahito, the, the real world. He is able to physically interact with things. And he is a spirit, but he has to like super concentrate and he can pick up a pencil or whatever. Let us know what you think about the answer to that question. How or why is Painter able to physically interact with the real world while he is a spirit and Yumi is operating his body? Yeah. And like, why is he not able to change his appearance? Is it because Yumi doesn't have a body and he is just manifesting like in her light weaving? Yes, because in Yumi's world, they both appear seemingly the same. There are two Yumis, basically. (laughs) Right. But there's like clearly two of them that exist and Yumi can be seen, right? No, her as a spirit cannot be seen. But when Painter is appearing to Li Yun, he appears as Yumi. My guess there is that has very little to do with anything that Painter is doing and the direction of Li Yun or like the orders from the father machine for everyone to play along with the charade. Like it is a charade. Their only job is is to continue the charade. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a, you know, base level trick that Painter's pulling off. But the father machine also knows it's being tricked. Like it knows that the spirits have made this connection. That's why the scholars are dispatched with the baby machine to like try to sabotage this plot. So then it seems like if the machine was able to, you know, and it's in control, either it would change the way that painter looked to make it obvious that he is not who he says he is or it would just tell Leun, alert alert right this is not yumi but it doesn't do that telling me that it's not capable of doing that it's sending mm-hmm. minions yeah all out. it could do is dispatch minions yeah exactly which is more evidence to me that it doesn't actually have higher processing abilities or yeah. cognitive mechanism of solving new problems because what i'm understanding it as painter basically took the back door through yumi's connection portal that she opened up through herself and then he's basically just appearing in the aura of yumi and kind of given the the cloak or appearance of yumi Mm -hmm. 
because that's all that is necessary. But there's no body. There's no body at all for either one of them. There's right. no there's no anything for anyone there. It's just a basically an empty plot of land and surrounded we, by like, shade. Come back to then perception. I guess mm-hmm. that the reason painter feels that he has a physical body in Yumi's world is just because he thinks he should. I think so. And I think maybe there's something akin to phantom limb syndrome, like when people lose limbs, but they still have the sensation of that limb existing. And there can sometimes even be pain associated with a limb that is not there. And in this circumstance, Painter has the phantom limb, the phantom body, Uh, an entire phantom body of Yumi. Like he is feeling yumi's presence she's the one who's doing everything because she's the highly invested one so she feels like she has a body but she does not from our understanding yeah painter feels like he has a body because yumi feels like she has a body she's the one that is able to be powerful enough to fake or make her perception reality in that way this book kind of ties my brain in knots and it opens up a lot of possibilities for our other characters especially our highly invested characters we don't know exactly where on the spectrum all possible characters are but i have a feeling that some of these unbound radiance you know especially the unbound bondsmith or other fifth ideal radiance may have similar abilities maybe not like the full functioning of an elantrian but they might have you know, single access potential of mimicking some of these ideas or concepts. For example, Aaron of Arcadia said this, quote, When Yumi is floating on the tree to get to Torio City, it is trying to return to the shroud, but she forces her will on it to remain a tree. In other words, she convinces it to be a stick. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and I think that Yumi is similar to Shalon in a lot of ways, maybe from a like a character perspective, but also kind of a power set perspective, mm-hmm. or similar to Yasna or any of the soul casters that are almost like in a negotiation with these spirits. Yeah, or the idea of the exchange. The exchange. For Shalon, it is um, Stormlight. I have Stormlight. Do the thing that I want you to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for Yumi, again, we don't know what the currency of exchange is, but we do see in that moment specifically the way that her thoughts and, again, perception changes reality, where she at one point starts to get worried that, like, she's weighing the tree down and the tree starts to get heavier, and then she realizes what she's done and she, like, corrects her thoughts, basically, and is like, we are light, we are floating, we are going in this direction, and it happens. That certainly starts to push the realm of power that we've seen in the Cosmere, because that's like a reality warper. It's not just someone who is you know, very strong, a la a Kaladin storm-blessed. It's someone who can, through their thoughts, through their perceptions, and through their intent, change the nature of the world around them. And again, I don't think that we've seen a lot of characters who are able to do that, even though Yumi is almost doing it accidentally, or she's like finding yeah. her I way mean, to it. But she, she is way more powerful than Shallan. Definitely. If we are to believe this hierarchy that's been set up but i think she is doing something similar just on a way bigger scale and i think this falls somewhere on the spectrum of hoid creating a body for design also this ability to sort of mold and manipulate investiture to become something that is physical tangible and has specific properties which is what she's doing with that tree she's taking investiture and then sort of shaping it and molding it into the thing that she wants it to be okay talked a whole bunch about what the powers can do let's talk a little bit about is there any way to negate those powers oh okay king of nowhere over on the 17th shard forum was asking about silver and aluminum on Kamashi. Yep. Not something that we have seen on Kamashi in any form. 
and they point out that both silver and aluminum are not infinitely able to be found, but they're also not rare on our planet or seemingly most Cosmere planets. Mm -hmm. But the shroud makes everything so difficult that even if there was like a bunch of silver ore right next to a city, they would never know that (laughs) because they don't go exploring into the shroud. So it would have to exist kind of like right on or right under their city. And then they would have to, you know, be doing aluminum smelting. They may have just kind of like skipped over a lot of what most Cosmere planets were doing pretty naturalistically as we kind of developed on Earth. They didn't have that ability. They got the high on lines as kind of like a cheat code around a lot of that early development. But I want to ask you, how do you think silver would operate with these nightmares and with these spirits? Well, silver is the anti-investiture, basically, and aluminum is investiture inert. So do you think if they built an aluminum wall around Kilohito instead, like say that we bless them, another ship showed up with a bunch of aluminum and they created an aluminum wall around Kilohito, could any nightmare get through that aluminum wall, in your opinion? I think an aluminum wall nightmares would not be able to get through but also they would not be destroyed. A silver wall would operate kind of like tress. Both not be able to get through and also would be destroyed. Right. It would be like the spores hitting against the silver protection. Yes. And like instantly and dying. dying. Yeah. I think that when it comes to racium as well as silver, there is maybe a still a question about how much damage can be done to capital C connection? Well, racium conducts investiture, so it channels it in a specific direction. Right. So if we took the racium dagger blade and stabbed Leun, we're just going to quickly go through who can we stab on Kamashi. Yeah, if the blade was flipped Mm -hmm. the right way so that it was sucking the investiture into the hilt of the blade, Leon would die. Okay, here's my question. If you took the same blade- Or be trapped in the blade, the blade. I guess. Yeah. If you took the same blade and stabbed Yumi, would she resist that in the same way she resisted the father machine? Uh, I think no. Okay, you think Racia might be more powerful than the father machine? Well, I just think the father machine is doing something different than Racium is. Like, Racium just has a base property of conducting investiture. Yumi is basically investiture. The father machine is, like, processing investiture, not necessarily just conducting it i guess i don't know what the difference is because it's it's conducting the investiture of all the people around it needs their investiture and says i want you and then it brings all of their investiture into the father machine and then spits out the shroud racium says i want your investiture because i've stabbed you and then i mean sucks out all yeah, the investiture. maybe if you had like a machine created from racium and yeah, like the yeah, machine yeah. was doing something we've only seen the racium blade which isn't doing anything. It doesn't have any commands or objectives at all. It's literally just the metal doing what the metal does. Right. Whereas the machine is like doing something very specific. It is taking in energy to perform a specific process. Presumably there is some type of, you know, chemical scientific exchange that's happening where molecules are being broken and reformed and like it's it's making it's mechanical versus magical racium and that's what i'm saying is like the father machine might be a poor man's copy of what can be done or better done with racium you might be able to have racium as your conductor of investiture and then process that out more efficient It'd certainly make it more efficient as long as you could then use the investiture on the other side. The father machine here takes in the investiture and then spits out the shroud, which is not super great. And the high on lines. And the high on lines, which is great. I basically kind of see like the father machine as a coal plant, 
you know, giving you energy that you can definitely use, but spitting out a bunch of black Mm -hmm. sludge and smoke, Mm -hmm. whereas racium might be more akin to a solar power situation where it's just kind of like absorbing the investiture. Just not by itself. No, no, no. Yeah, you'd have to do something with the racium. Definitely. Yeah. I wonder, though, if a being like Yumi or a highly invested being could reform themselves even from something as damaging as racium or is racium at a power level that is matching someone like Yumi? Well, I don't think racium is damaging it. It's just directing it. Well, it's it's damaging a person if they are stabbed by the thing because it takes their investiture out. Yeah, I mean, I guess like this is what we're going to find out with like Yezrian being Mm -hmm. stabbed by the blade and then the gem glows like is is that Kalak's solution to getting off world is just like stab me with this blade I'm gonna go into the gemstone and then you can can take take the gemstone off world yeah and then like is he still in there then can you like Kelsey her him back into a body by like flipping the racium dagger if you stab it into a body facing the right direction like will Kalak just go back into that body I don't think we know. We don't know if that person is still a person or if it really is just sucking out the pure investiture in the same way that the machine does, basically. And then everything, all the other parts of the person go into the shroud. Clearly a bunch more to follow up. But I think that those are kind of similar vibes that we've introduced is this father machine is kind of doing something akin to the racium but in a bad way or a twisted you know mechanical way that's not perfect whereas we might be getting some of the answers to what if this was done differently what if this was done better what if you could you know stab a highly invested being capture that and then hemolurgy it back out to a real body a la thydekar because we have a bunch of like little puzzle pieces all around the cosmere and i'm just wondering if they're going to come together to form the big picture that we're waiting for, presumably, at the end of Stormlight 5. Yeah. And on that note, Firesong on 17th Shard has started to put together a very detailed Cosmere timeline that we will link in show notes. They have gone through with multiple different planetary calendar systems to try to help you based on which planet you happen to be talking about or looking at. And so you can get events from different planetary perspectives, but also those events all in a single place. Very helpful. Of course, their timeline falls off quite a bit Yeah. after Stormlight 5 and therefore falls off quite a bit when we're looking at the events of all of these secret projects. But I do think that it is interesting to at least throw out that in the Risharian calendar, I'm just going to kind of give you a setup to Stormlight 5. We have 1175, Harmony begins to make wax his sword. 1175 is also the year of the Ascension of Odium. So those are the same Uh time period. 1175 will be the contest of champions because that happens Mm -hmm. only 10 days after the ascension of Odium or we could say Teravodium as well. Then 1179, Skadrian first interactions with the Southern Skadrians. Four years after the contest of champions is when the event of Mistborn Era 2 are beginning to play out, giving us 1184, autonomy is routed from Skadriel. Right, so that would be the events of the lost, lost metal. metal. Exactly. So the Wayne's death all happens in 1184. And in the very next year, there is the big push for independence throughout most of the Basin cities. 1190 is said to be the start of Stormlight Era 2. So that kind of takes the two biggest series and just kind of puts us in position of where things have happened with Rhythm of War and Lost Metal, as well as the other Wax and Wayne books. These stories happening many years later, but I am then confused by the 1700 years of Yumi's imprisonment 
I think that's happening now or at the same time period as the events of most of our big stories in yeah, the Cosmere. Kamashi is just like in the Dark Ages. Yes, it's yeah. in the Dark Ages. The Shroud is there. Yumi is being tortured, imprisoned. Although, I don't know. Something about Hoid makes me think that maybe Hoid is on Komashi in between Stormlight Archive halves. So it would be basically present time, almost, after right. Stormlight 5. Yeah. And so for 1,700 years, directly in the past from Stormlight 5, yeah. has been Yumi's imprisonment. And then she gets out in the next couple of years. But we'll see what Stormlight 5 tells us. That would make them, if you were correct, that would make them the first planet to travel off world via their magic and technology. Because the Skadrians definitely don't do it in that time period because they're just dealing with the Elendil Basin stuff. Yeah. So maybe they got another hundred years before they start flying off world. It would be really interesting to find the exact date of Yumi and the Nightmare Painter within the Cosmere calendar. So keep your eyes out for any notices of that. Let us know all your final thoughts about Yumi and the Nightmare Painter. We are trying to wrap this one up, but every time we start to wrap something up, we like uncover a little bit more, or I start asking more and more speculation, or someone brings up mushrooms once again. I don't know someone, who it could be. Yeah, someone. Someone named Tyler. We do have one more planned episode, which will be on Hoid, design, all of our fun world hopper friends that we have been neglecting for this entire book club. Don't worry, they will be here next episode. And until next time, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. Mm-hmm.